0: and uh, Mutashem will see some fascinating things. We begin with the following question. It's actually related to today's Chumash in two ways, in two ways. The Iker discussion will be about Yaakov and Esav being twins and who was actually older than the other. But we begin with something else related to today's Chumash, and that is Esav selling the birth, the Bechairah, Yaakov offers him lechem, bread, lentil soup and Esav says, that's it, alright, it's all yours, it's all yours and he sells Yaakov his and Esav belittles it you know, mainly he sold it for something it was just for bread and, uh, and lentil soup <clears throat> why Taka did Yaakov give the bread that wasn't even part of the discussion Esav just said give me that red soup Yaakov threw in the bread like that was like, you know, to sweeten the deal I mean, what's the bread gonna do? So, so many Mepharshim say that Yaakov was worried that of later would say, come on, I, you know, I was about to die of hunger. I had no choice. I was under duress. And therefore the sale was null and void. So therefore Yaakov fed him up on bread. Now you're no longer under duress. You're not starving anymore. You're not about to faint and, you know, and from, from uh, being famished and hungry. So that was the purpose of the bread. Then he gave him the lentil soup. The truth is the chidor. In his Sefer Midbar Deimus, quotes a Kabbalistic tradition: Avram Vinu had a special sword, which had the name of the Abish engraved on the sword. It's probably how he killed all the all the four kings. If he killed all of them, because one of them was uh, Amrufel, which is Nimrod, and we have a tradition that uh, perhaps Esav killed Nimrod, but. Uh, Avram had this special sword. It could be that it was already Mesushelach's sword. The Arizal discusses Mesushelach had a special sword with which he would uh, destroy all negative forces, <coughs> a magical sword. sword, and he lost it right before his Ene Konnoiech was born. Uh, right, sword, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was over there. When you shoot him. Exactly. And uh, it may have been the same sword. Either way, Avram bequeathed the sword to Yitzchak, and Yitzchak gave the sword to Yaakov, not to Esau. Although Yusuf loved Esav, he didn't trust him with the sword, he gave it to Yaakov. So the Chidah quotes that Esav was being hunted down by Nimrod, and Esav needed that sword to knock off Nimrod, And it was really the sword that was given <coughs> in exchange for the Bechairah sword or the jacket? The jacket, no, no, no the jacket or something else. The jacket many hold Yitzchak gave to Esau. The right, clothes, you the, the jacket, special begotten... Nimrod, is maybe yeah. Nimrod had the jacket and medrashim. It the, the if Nimrod had the, had the... Rashi says that those special clothes, Rashi brings his parasha, that Yaakov got them right, right. from Esau. But there's another medrashic tradition that Fakir that was... So Rashi quotes that Esau had taken them from Nimrod, min Nimrod took them from Nimrod there's another Midrashic tradition that Fakert the reason that Nimrod wanted to kill Esau was to get those clothes from Esau because <laughs> Esau was given them by Yitzchak but for some reason Yitzchak may have given Esau the clothes the special begodim but not the sword that he gave to Yaakov because Esau was going to fight Nimrod he needed that sword so the Chidos said it was really the sword that was the exchange for the Bechera and this was just the the, free, the lunch. This was just the meeting, you know. yeah, you, uh, you sell, you do them, you, exactly. the exactly. No, you you you, uh, you end the deal over over. Uh, you going out to eat in a restaurant, so that was the meal that the Torah discusses. Either way, the Rishonim all want to know: How could Esav have sold his firstborn rights to Yaakov? There's a basic rule in the laws of sale: You can only make a transaction on something which is tangible, something which exists. Something which is going to exist in the future, known as a dover shaloi bola, elam, something which doesn't yet exist. For example, the rights of a firstborn. We'll see if the word firstborn is actually a correct translation for Bukhar. but let's assume it is. If the rights of the firstborn to get double from the father's inheritance, that's something of the future. Yitzchak was alive as well. How could Esau sell over the rights? It's true, Yaakov was giving him something tangible. A sword, bread... Lentil soup. But uh, the Kenyan shouldn't work. You can't pass something over which doesn't yet exist. That's the Shailah everybody asks. Every Mephodesh and his second cousin's nephew also asked the question. So look at number one. Number one is a tshuva from the Rivosh. Rabbi Yitzchak Ben Sheshes. See, he was one of the last of the Rishonim in Spain. He passes away in the year 1408. The last uh, number of years of his life, he lives in uh, Algeria. He jumped ship from Spain, persecution, and he went to Algeria. He and his student, known as the Rashpats, Reb Shimson Ben Semach, last name Dodon, the two of them were in Algeria. uh, There was a bit of friction between the two, unfortunately. But uh, on the whole, they respected each other. The Rivosh was the teacher, the Rashpatz was the student, they're both very important uh, halakhic Svadim. They're both considered Rishonim, even though they're, you know, towards the the end, end, end of the Rishonim. Says the Rivosh, you wrote, he's telling the person that uh, he's responding to. Shereis You saw written b'shem Haravra ben Yankiv Ben HaRosh Sal. Rabbi Yaakov, the son of the Rosh. Who's Rabbi Yaakov, the son of the Rosh? The Tur. The Baal HaTurim on Chumash and the, 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 the first Shulchan Aruch known as the Tur, that was written by the Yaakov, the son of the Rosh, Shekosav, that he writes, B'Shem Adiv HaRosh, on the name of his father. The Hamakne Dover Shaloi if you bequeath something that doesn't yet exist, Im al Alkocha, if you accompany it with an oath, Shekona hakane the choir acquires. V'afilu HaMakne, even if the Makne dies, before the thing comes to actual existence, the deal is done, the item is bought, the transfer is successful. What's the proof of the Rosh? From the b'chari that Esav sold Yaakov. Right? There was an oath. Yaakov asked for an oath. Marta and the Rivosh tells this person, you ask, I should tell you what my opinion is on the matter. So apparently there's a tradition, and this is not written you know, in, in this generation, last generation. This is going back to uh, the Rosh passes away in the year 1327, the tour passes away 15, 20 years later. This is around the year 1400. So it's a couple of decades after the tour passed away. So this is Mamish like Bishas Meisse. There's a tradition going around that the Rosh holds it's a very simple way to bequeath something which doesn't yet exist. Just give an oath. What would be the logic of that? The logic would be many paiskims say the reason why you can't sell something which doesn't yet exist is because we assume that neither party is or das. neither party really, you know, it's not a real agreement because it's just the whole thing's in the air. It's airy-fairy, and therefore no one's really too serious about it. That's the reason. And because a general rule in Kenyanim, that in order for Kenyan to work, you have to be serious about it. The babies of animals can't be sold. Commodities. Right, right. Cannot? Right, correct. Right, because it since it doesn't yet exist, no one's really taking it seriously. Why? Yeah. Futures market that we have in, in Commodities, and Commodities, or maybe you make well, a swear to sell something. All right. Trade, well, well, okay. Well, well, I don't, I mean, you have to look at each situation. Is taka not yet existing, or uh, does some part of it exist? Some hold. Some place can hold. If you sell two things, one thing does exist, and one thing doesn't, then a Kenyan can work on both. Mm. Some place can say. Once, so you know, if it's really a package deal, if it's a package deal, I'm selling you two things at the same time. So since you acquire the thing which is tangible... Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Math yeah. Half is released. Half yeah, yeah. is not well, released. If you uh, sell something, but it's not fully in right. included, in it's hmm. not sold. You know, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. There's a... Uh, What's this whole riot of before mountain from Oh, okay, good. Right. Ago, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. What are we even talking about? That's a good question. That's a good question. I was just about to say something. Oh, what it was. The great Maharit, Rabbi Mm -hmm. Yosef Trani, was one of the greatest uh, Svardish poets about 400 years ago. He actually, he had a yeshiva in Svas, but he was always traveling to Turkey to collect funds. He had such a following in Turkey that he ended up opening a yeshiva in Turkey. The Balabatim that he was traveling to, to support his yeshiva, he said, you know what? He left his yeshiva and became a, <laughs> a rabbi the Balabatim. Interesting uh, historical twist. Actually, there was a whole shiloh where he passed away. It was only about 15 years ago, I think it was 2008, that they found his caver in Sfas. No one knew where he was buried for hundreds of years. They thought it was Turkey. They found the caver of his somewhere in the old cemetery in Sfas, because somebody was uh, moved away a couple of leaves, <laughs> put out a bit of dirt and they saw the Matseva the Maharit, he's buried in Swas. Uh, in so he was um, one of the, he was known as an incredibly brilliant scholar, and he wrote very important him. He writes the whole idea of Bachlal making a Kenyan with an act, right? We made a deal, I'm selling and you want to buy, that should be good enough. Why does, it, why does every transaction, every Kenyan in Torah, need to be accompanied with an act? And he says the reason is because until you do an act, we don't know if both parties are really serious. The act is just to demonstrate how serious this discussion really is. So it's just a technicality, it's just to resemble something else. That's the famous opinion of the Ma'arit, and Rebekiv Eger goes with, uh, goes with that as well. So in other words, you see from that opinion that the whole backbone of Kinyonim is the whole measuring stick is how serious um, the parties really are. And therefore, that would be the reason that you can't sell something which doesn't yet exist, because since the whole discussion is in theory, it's airy-fairy. How serious are the parties? Oh, so if you make a Shavua, that'll take away that issue. That would be the simple logic. Once there's an oath, you know, once there's an oath, there's an oath. Either way, says the Rivosh. Shuva, you want to know what I think about it? Lav Zal, v'loi harav On this tradition, there's no signature underneath with the Rosh's name or the, or the tour's name. This is just a... a he, a hearsay tradition passing around, and this would have major ramifications in, in, in Dine Mominus, says the Rivosh, it's very nice you have a tradition, but who's backing the tradition? I don't see the Rosh's name or the tour's no. name underneath. The Aini he royal kavasayu He says, I don't even believe they said it. Such a logic which has nothing to base on except for a story in Chumash. Um, it, I don't even believe they said it. Gam haraya and the raya let's discuss the raya ain lo ikr. it's not substantial hadibur like you pointed out before matan Torah bechlal taisus brings him Kot, and there's a well known rule we don't learn from before matan Torah you know the avela seven days that Yosef did for his father. We don't learn from there Avelos seven days. There is one shit of geinim that holds seven days Avelos is biblical because of that pasuk. That Yosef made... But we do Avelos seven days, unfortunately. Some geinim hold as biblical because of the story of Yosef, but most Rishonim disagree and say you can't, you can't create a halacha based on what's written in the Chumash before Parsha's Yisrael, before the episode of Matan That's why we hold... Seven days are only rabbinic. The shilas, the first day might be derisa. Uh, fine. But says the reverse, who would tell us? Maybe before Matan Torah, you could bequeath things that don't yet exist. Maybe maybe the law changed in the year 2448 when God gave us the Torah. Aye, if he. if. Before matan Torah, you could sell something which doesn't yet exist. So what was the purpose of the oath? So the shru was just to uh, expand Yaakov's uh, power on the deal. Shaloya ya'arur of betorv. So Eesov shouldn't renege on the deal. Ki Yankov Yankiv Yankov knew Eesov to be a swindler. Yohir, a fast swindler, or an, are could be a balgaiva ve'ish and a mighty person. In other words, an unscrupulous fellow. Therefore Yaakov made him swear. But it wasn't, the swearing was not a halachic tool to create this mechanism of bequeathing something which doesn't yet exist. This is the tshuva of the Rivosh. So the Rivosh says that his opinion is, do you know how Esav sold the Bechayra? It's because before modern Torah you could sell things which don't yet exist. So we have two opinions so far. We have this tradition of the tour in the name of the Rosh. By the way, if you open up the Turr's Pirish on Chumash, you have the Bala Turim on Chumashim. That's only the excerpts. That's like the Gematrius and the cute stuff. But he has the Turha Ha'oruch, the long Pirish. In his Pirish, he quotes his father, the Rosh, saying this very thing. So, so, <laughs> there is a tradition, all yeah, right? Sometime, and maybe people wrote it in later, you know, just to, <laughs> <laughs> <It's like laughs> but uh, Rishon no, Rishon it's, Rishon? It, seemed, it seems like mm-hmm. uh, Elamai the Rivosh didn't see that, the Rivosh, the Rivash is saying that logically he doesn't buy it. He's not guaranteeing the Rosh never said it. In other words, he's saying, until you prove to me the Rosh said it, I don't believe it. If the Rosh takas said it, then we'll deal with it. So but the Rosh does said say it. Was, what? There's another tour that you once said was like, add it in, erase it, and that you don't find it in the That was about Yaakov beating land. up later. Let's not go there. That was, that was, that was, that was, uh, that was the last shit we did people, by your, so people by your did father. So add stuff in. I missed that show. Or erase stuff. Me too. We spoke about spousal abuse both ways. About Chava beating up Adam until he ate from the fruit. And about Yaakov uh, Yaakov perhaps beating up Leah. That's a scary thing. Anyhow, that needs interpretation. So either way, we have two explanations of how Esav sold the Bechera. The Rosh says it's because he swore. And the rivash says it was before Matan Torah. Now, what's the logic of the Rivash Before Matan Torah... Why, why does the Ravosh assume that before Matan Torah monetary law was different? Like why would that have changed? So there's a beautiful word from Yeshua Yeshua Le of Kutner. He was one of the great Ga'inim in the 1800s in the times of the He was older. He was in the Tzemach Sedek's times At Marash's times His name actually always fascinating. He had three names. Listen to this Yisrael Eliyahu Yoshua, who was he named after? His father named him Yisrael after the Balshemtiv, Eliyahu after the Vilnagon, and Yoshua after the Pnei Yoshua. Mamish like uh, Kilayim, mamish incredible mix. <laughs> and he was born in the 1820s, so his father, you know, his father would have uh, overlapped with with uh, in years with some of these people, not the Pnei Yoshua. But not the Baal Shemteh, put, but maybe... Also uh, told him to get off the fence. What? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> A kid that nurses from numerous mothers. Anyhow, so this year, Shula Mikutna, he was one of the greatest of his time. And he says the following svara: Before Matam Torah, the world wasn't set. The Gemara says in Shabbos, Rashi brings in Chumash, that until the year 2448, when the Yidin accepted the Torah, the world was shaky, the world hadn't reached its, uh, the world wasn't calm because its whole creation was dependent on the Yidden accepting the Torah. And until the Yidin accepted the Torah, the world didn't even know what its fate was gonna be. It could just disappear in a moment. In other words, it hadn't even deserved its right for existence until, that's why Hashishi, the world was waiting until the sixth day of Sivan when the Yidin would accept the Torah. So, says Yishul and Mikutna, until the year 2448, the whole world was something which was really yet to uh, gain its existence. It was a Dovah Shaloi Bala'ilam. The whole world was something which didn't yet reach its uh, purpose of existence, its right to exist, even. And therefore, the whole world was in an atmosphere of something which is only of the future. So, therefore, monetarily as well, it could be that transactions would work in a Dovah Shaloi (laughs) Bala'ilam. But once Madan Terah happened, and now you know, everything is mamish. the world is stable, and it's set, and it exists, now we deal with actuality and no longer can you bequeath something which doesn't yet exist. That's and, and, and the logic he gives. Any sale for about is questionable. Fakert. Actually bottom, saying like, no, no, but like no, he, well, he's using not. it to say Fakert, so because the whole world was in, in an atmosphere of the future of the future, so even sales of the future took effect. It took effect. It doesn't work the no, this way. Everything worked. Not that nothing worked. Everything worked. Everything worked. I will tell you, though, that the great Shoyal Lumeishiv, Rabbi Yosef Shol Natanzon, now we would call him Nathanson, the great rabbi in Lvov, he has a big shail on this, on this rivash, a very simple question. The Rambam famously pascans, you can't bequeath something which doesn't yet exist, but if you take a vow, the Rambam says, if you take a neder to give stock on something which you haven't yet gained, the vow is binding. A vow, you know, I'm about to do a business still. If I make X amount, I'll give, you know, however much to stock. A vow is binding. A vow is binding. The Rambam says, how does he know a vow is different than a, a transaction? Because Yaakov, Yaakov makes a nether in Parshish Vayetzeh, that if I go to love and then I come back in health, etc., and God, you stay with me, the Chol Asher, whatever you give, Aser Asenolach, I'll give my sir. And the Abishte held Yaakov to task. In Parshish Vayishlach, the Abish says, No, Yaakov, when are you coming? So the Rambam says, you see, Yankiv was held responsible to fulfill his vow. That's what the Rambam says. Mm -hmm. According to the Ravosh that before Matan Torah you could, you could bequeath something which doesn't yet exist. So maybe Yaakov's vow as well, the reason why it was effective was because it was before Matan Torah. How could the Rambam learn from there to now if those dinim were different before the Torah was given? That's a very strong kasha that he has on the Rivosh. The in no way does this fit with that statement of the Rambam. Okay, but either way, this is, uh, this is the beginning of our discussion. This takes us to Vilna. Now, 250 years ago, there was a story. A fellow got married. And after a couple weeks, he had enough. He divorces his wife. Three weeks later, he marries another woman. Unbeknownst to him, his first wife conceived. Now, she's divorced. She's carrying a baby. He married almost immediately (coughs) another woman. And now she conceived. The second wife only carried her baby six months or so, seven months, six months. Gives birth early. The first wife carried the baby to nine months. <laughs> so the baby that was born first was conceived second. The baby that was conceived first was born last. And you can imagine the families had a huge machlej, Who's gonna get, the, the who's the becher to get double portion? of the okay. father's inheritance. There must be something to be gave, because <clears throat> otherwise it wouldn't be a fight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like a Jack Bezos situation. Yeah. <laughs> so we know when it comes to, be- so when it comes to Becher, there's generally no, two dinim. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hol- they both get a bit in let's Exactly. Let's just talk okay. this through, because it's going to be very That's important. Bad. Generally, there's two dinim by Becher. There's a a for inheritance, and that's the father's firstborn. In other words, if a, father, if a man marries a woman and she's had 20 kids in the past to other husbands, it doesn't matter. If she has a kid now with her husband, even though that boy is not a firstborn to the mother, it's a firstborn for the father, he is, he is the for the father's inheritance. When it comes to the a being holy, right, and having to, to come to... Put you on an old, dingy Thanks. plane and schlep you, you know, a couple hours right, away. The, <laughs> there's that—that's thats, that, that, that's the one that opens the mother's womb. And there, if a man marries ten wives and each of them their first kids a boy, the father's going to be doing ben ten times. Fine. So this question came to the Vilna Gon. if we translate bacher as firstborn, then the firstborn kid was actually the, the second one conceived. But who said firstborn is actually the correct translation of Bukhar? So the Vilna said, Ah, this is the story in Pashas Kiseitse. Let's read number two. I know it's Psukim, but let's just see. The Gra is going to have three kashas on the Psukim, and therefore is going to revolutionize, revolutionize the Pshat. It says when a kisiano if a, a, a man has two wives, one that he loves, one that he hates, v'yoldu bonim, they have kids, Ho'ahuva Vahasnua. So it sounds like, who gave birth first? The one that he loves, that's the order of the Chumash. But then the Apostle flips it, the firstborn is Lasni, the one that he hates. And then when it comes to be manchil, to, to bequeath inheritance to his kids, whatever he has in possession at the time of his passing, he does not have the right. To place the son of his loved beloved wife to be the bukhur instead of the son of the one that he hates, who is really the bukhur ben yakir. He must own up to the fact that the firstborn is the one of the snuah to give him double Ki Kihu reishis aynoy. Very important because this kid, the son of the snuah, is the beginning of his strength of his seed. Loy he has the right to the firstborn. Says the Vulnagan three kashas. Number one, a guy hates his wife. How could you hate your wife? The <laughs> arei hachok gotta love your friend. The Gemara says, the Gemara said this talking about your wife, actually, that a person can't get married to a woman without seeing her. Which is the whole kasha with Yitzchak, by the way. Mm-hmm. If Eliezer was a shliach for Yitzchak to marry Rivka, like Toysavus learns, many Rishonim learn, that means when Eliezer gave Rivka the bracelets, Rivka was now... Married to Yitzchak, he had never seen her and the Gemara says in Kedushin that Rav holds you cannot marry a woman without seeing her first because You know what if uh, I don't know she has two noses what if uh, there's something about her which is unseemly you don't like and Says the Gemara what's the problem? It applies to your wife too The Gemara says an expression that You love your wife like yourself Uma you honor her more than yourself. You honor her more than yourself. There's a ritva. The ritva says, he just like if you own an Eved ivri, a Jewish slave, the Yushami says if you have one pillow, you have to give it. You have to give it to, to the Evadivri. So the Ritva says the same thing with your wife. He learned it's a whole sugya about ribbus and Kiddushin, but he learns that when you acquire your wife, your wife's really acquiring you. Because if you only have one thing, you gotta give it to her. <laughs> just like the Eved ivri. Anyway, the Gemara says, you love her like yourself, you honor her even uh, for more than yourself. Either way, you can't hate your wife. Says the girl, what's going on? Why is the Torah talking about this fellow that hates his wife? Okay, that's a cute question. The other questions are more serious. The Torah first starts off saying that the Ahuva gave birth, then the Snua, and then it says, no, the firstborn was to the Sneer. That, that's a contradiction. And then he has a third question. The Torah says you can't play with who's the firstborn. Of course you can't. Why would you think that you could arbitrarily choose who the firstborn is? It's a fact. It's a fact of nature. It's a messiah. Why would the Torah have to say, don't think that you could choose who's the firstborn? Of course you can't. The firstborn is firstborn. So it says the Vilna gun, you have to understand what happened over here. This is the story of Vilna. A guy married two women. First he married one woman and then he divorced her. Why did he divorce her? Not because he hates her. You're allowed to divorce. The Torah seems to say clearly, you can, later on in Kisei, you can divorce your wife if you found the er or something negative in her. In other words, she wasn't being faithful. In fact, based on holds you can't divorce unless you found some, some evidence to that unfortunate behavior. So therefore, ah, she sneer, you hate her, Either because she's it means she's hated to heaven because her actions are hated, or khaizh you're allowed to hate her Russia. That's why there's an issue between the husband and the wife. Because she was unfaithful, that's why he divorced her. He divorced her and it was quick. Unbeknownst to the man, she's expecting. Okay. Then No doesn't want to be a bachelor too long. He marries another woman. She's Ahuva. What does it mean he loves her? Because she she's she's faithful, she's kosher, she's acting properly. He marries the Ahuva, and then she conceives. That who gave birth first? The, old, the Ahuva gave birth first. The woman that he married second only carries a baby six, seven months. She gave birth first. Then the Snuah gives birth because she held her baby nine months. But says the Torah, who was the firstborn? The one that was conceived first, which means firstborn is a wrong translation, says the Vulnagon. Bechera does not mean firstborn, because in this case, the Bechera precisely goes to the kid that was born later, because he was conceived first. And says the Vulnagon, that's why the father may have thought, I want to transfer the rights to the Ben Ahuva because he's born first. That's the hava that the father might have. So the Torah says, no, you can't do that. Kihu hu you have to follow the, the first seed, the one that conceived first. So that's how he answered all three kashas, by making this halacha, that b'chor is not the firstborn, it's the first conceived. This is the p'sak that he gave. Reb Shloi Kluger, one of the great, great rabbonim 150, 200 years ago, he wrote a Piddush on Shulchan Aruch called Chochmas Shloymer, and he quotes this halacha in the name of Reb Chaim Velozhner. Reb Chaim Velozhner, he says, Reb Chaim Velozhner gave this psaq. Same, same. same psaq, the, the same p'sak as the girl. same maral, yeah. Maral? Yeah, yeah. I know. Oh, over there. I'm not holding there yet. I'm not, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't. That shouldn't even. One. That shouldn't even be on the paper. No, no. I was reading just number two. Number two. No, no. I just read number oh, two. Yeah. Three, four, and five are this excerpts from a safer said, uh, No, I'll get to each one at the, at the appropriate time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the chidah quotes it also, though, from the maharam chaviv, one of the great Moisha Moshe Chaviv, one of the great svardash goyim uh, in about 300 years ago. Apparently, also <laughs> says this. Yeah. There are many who argue. But its sourced the Vilnagon, Reb Chaim Voloshner. Who's Chaim Volozner? Who's Chaim Volozner? Chaim Voloshner was the student of the, the Vilna Gaon. had many great students. According to many, he was the chief student of the Vilnagon. There's lots of beautiful stories that he had with his, uh, his Rebbe. I mean, he was, the Friedek Rebbe often writes, but Friedrich Rebbe writes that there were numerous groups amongst the Misnagdim. The Friedrich Rebbe says there were those there were those misnagdim who were fighting chassidists just because they wanted the fight. And therefore, even if they would hear be proved, they would see proof today or tomorrow that the piety of the Khsidim, it wouldn't really make a difference to them. They wanted, they wanted the fire to keep on burning. But there was another group, says the Freyidic Rebbe, of misnagdim that were earnestly concerned with the welfare of Yiddishkeit due to what, what chassidus was. It was growing like wildfire and it was all new. But the Friedrich Rebbe says that in this group, when they finally came around and saw that Chassidus was not only not damaging, it was beneficial, so they stopped fighting and fakert. They saw it maybe as a positive thing. And the Friedrich Rebbe lists Reb Chaim Veloshin as part of the second group. In fact, Reb Chaim Veloshin, he once had a student, one of his greatest students, that told him that uh, he's leaving. He's going to the Chassidim. And Reb Chaim Velozhin told him as the if you're going already, gay and liadi, Go to Liadi or Lioshna, depending on what year this happened. Once you're leaving, go to the al Rebbe, he told. Because once you're going to the Chassidim, <coughs> I once actually had a Talmud of mine who left and he went to he went to a different Khsidz. And I told him, Doninor Khaim told his student, if you're leaving, if you're leaving the Litvish, if you're leaving what everybody's doing, there's only one place you go. As the Gais shine. Anyhow, he uh, <coughs> actually today is the yard side of his reb, I'll just tell you for a second. Reb Chaim Velozhiner. So when he was younger, he was in Velozhin. His parents actually for a number of years didn't have kids. In Velozhin, at that time, was living the Shagas Arya. Reb Arya Leib Ginsburg was in Velozhin. And Which sorry. Which is where? Uh, Lithuania, Lithuania area, Lithuania area. And there was only one full set of shahs in the entire Voloshan. And this couple of Chaim Voloshan's parents who didn't have kids yet, they had the shahs. So the Shagasari knocks on the door and he wants to borrow a masecht. In fact, he wants to borrow two masechtas. So the, the husband said, listen, usually the rule is one safer at a time, but for you, for you, the Rob, the you can take as many Sfodim as you want. You want two, take two. So the Shagasariah told him in return for you, allowing me to take two Svarim, may the the Benshut have two kids that will lighten up the world in Torah." And one of the kids was Reb Chaim Velazhne, The other one was Reb Zalman of Velazhne, who was also a fascinating gone. Unfortunately, he died a young man. Reb Chaim Velazhne was a student of the Shagasaria, a student of the Vilna Gon. He was also a student of Reb Foll Hamburger, whose yard site is today, parenthetically. <laughs> Ah, oh, exactly. Follow Khan's named after him, right. Rabbi Raphael Hamburger. And Rabbi Fahl Hamburger was originally, he himself was a student of the Shagas Arya, and then he was the, reb, the teacher of Chaim Volojna, and he was also a student of the Vilna Gon. And Rabbi Raphael Hamburger once ended up visiting the Maggit of Mizritch. There's The whole story, the Maggid got Rabbi Zushar to get Rabbi Fahl to come to Mizrich. When the Vilna okay. gun heard that Rabbi Fahl Hamburger went to Mizrich, he told him he can't go there anymore. So Rabbi Fahl decided, listen, I'm not going to go to Mizrich anymore because my Deber the gun go- told me not to. But I'm not going to Vilna anymore either. And he stopped. And then he moved to Germany and, and, uh, and then his, uh, you know, he was far away. What? So there's many opinions who that person was who didn't want to, the whole Malach thing, there's many opinions who that person was. Right, there's the famous story, Just okay, once, once uh, Rabensha mentioned. There's a famous story that by one of these Litvish Goenim, they were shown a piece of paper, a cherim against the chesidim, and this Goin, whoever it was, we'll see who it was, was asked, could you please sign? And he was told, even the Vilna Gon, who's an angel of God, signed. So this Litvish gon said, you know, by the akeda, when the Abishta wanted to tell Avrom to Sheikh Yitzchak, he came himself. The Elisha spoke Tavram. When it came to sparing Yitzchak, a malach came. What does that teach you? That when it comes to saving someone's life, it's enough to hear from a malach. When it comes to shechting someone, you've got to hear from God himself. So the Vilna might be an angel, but when it comes to shechting people, you've got to hear from God himself. Many misnagdim say the story was with Chaim Voloshna. He was the person who said this. I highly doubt it. It doesn't really make sense that he would say that about his Rebbe, the Vilna gun, even though it's not offensive to the Vilna Gaon, but he held the Gaon in such esteem, I can't imagine he would even say that. Many say it was Rafal Hamburger, who was the person, but uh, many Tainas, actually I think this is the correct version, it was Avram Abla Fasvaler, who was the Av of Vilna. And we actually have a tradition that he, this is a in Svarim. I wasn't there so I can't tell you, but to me this makes sense, uh, who am I, but he once met up with the Tzemach Sedek, who was much younger than him. And they were speaking in Nigla. And this Rabbi Avrom Abala, the Av he tells the Tzemach Sedek, y- young man a you're a young man, how do you know so much? Like, you're young, <laughs> The Tzemach Sedek said, I got a brocha from my zayda. What we learn once, we never forget, we never forget. So avrom Abala said that I want to tell you something that happened to me, and he told him this thing, that he was the, he was the fellow that was asked to sign, and he said, listen, Only if God himself tells you to sheikh. So there's lots of traditions. But yeah, many say it was Rebbe Fall Hamburger, who was this fellow. Many do say that. And uh, he passed away today. So he was a student of the Vilna Gaon, and he was also a Rebbe of Rebbe Chaim Volojna. So either way, Rebbe Chaim Volojna was one of the greatest. I mean, he was a going god, there's no question. And he was a Kabbalist as well. He opened up the famous Volojna Yeshiva, the mother of all Yeshivas, until Temchitmimum came. In fact, when Reb Chaim wanted to open the yeshiva, he first came to the Vilna Gaon. And he said, I want to open up a yeshiva, and the Vilna Gaon, he didn't want, he he said, no, no. A year later or so, Reb Chaim comes back, and he says to the Vilna Gaon, I want to open the yeshiva, and he was still just as passionate as a year before. So the Gra said, from the very fact that you have the same passion a year later, it means it's coming from the Gute At the time when you asked me, I didn't know where it was coming from. I don't know, maybe you want the yeshiva for fame or this and that, I don't know where it was coming from. But if so much time has passed and the passion is still there's there, a riot coming from the, the correct side and therefore go ahead and make the yeshiva. Sleep with gloves, huh? That was his brother, Zalman Velozhin. Zalman was sleeping gloves, yeah. Funny character. But he was, uh, listen, these people, were, yeah. these people were enormous. It's crazy, there wasn't so long ago. Anyhow. So the Vilna Reb Chaim, Voloshner, the Maram, Chaviv, they all give this Pesach. The kasha Kasher, Israel, boy, say, the million-dollar question is, we say that Yaakov and Esau, we know they were twins, right? Yaakov was born first. Yeah. It was was first. Born for, so Rashi quotes the Moshele, you have a tube. If you put two pebbles in a tube, the one that goes in first goes all the way to the back of the tube. It's the one that goes in later comes out first so too with Yaakov and Esau who were twins. First, Yaakov was conceived, then Esau, but Esau has the front row and he comes out first. And therefore Rashi says that Yaakov really in some way was the firstborn, right? In some way, in some way, in some way, but halakhically, he ha- the fact is he had to buy it from Esau, did he not? If he had to buy it from Esau, doesn't that show that who was the halachically the firstborn? Yes. Esau, even though Yaakov was the first conceived, that throws the Vilnegon Pesach out the window. The Vilnagon, the Chaim Velazhnah, the Maram Chaviv. All those that Peskin, that Bakhur is the first conceived, right? You see from today's Chumash, Yaakov and Esau, it's befedish, not the case. Although Yaakov was conceived first, that's the whole Medrash that we quote. Nevertheless, Esau was the firstborn. I mean, so what in the world was the Vilnegon thinking? This. Who asks his kasha? Again, Rabbi Yosef Shol and the Shoyal Elom says that he doesn't believe the Vilna Gon said this. The whole <coughs> thing is a farce. It makes no sense. Every kid in Cheder knows this Rashi about Yaakov and Esav. Everybody knows that you go after the firstborn. That's why it's called firstborn, right? It's not called first conceived. This is the big kasha of the Shoah Elom So what's the answer? As, as simple and as big as the kasha is, there's just as simple and big an answer. In the case of Yaakov and Aeshev, there was one mother. In the case of the Vilna story, there's two women. What's the difference? In the case of the Vilna both kids were halakhically firstborns as far as the halacha of redeeming from a kohen. In the Vilna Gun story in, in, in Vilna, and the way he's reading the story in Kisei, he said, there's two women. Each of them have a firstborn boy. Each boy is halachically categorized as a firstborn, as far as being pet and the first of the womb, and has to be redeemed by giving the money to the kohen. So both are a buchar. Now the shaila is, one of them was born first, one was conceived first. Over there we're going to say conception will override birth. But by Yaakov and Esav, only Esav was a peterechem. Yaakov b'chlal is not even halachically identified as a b'chor at all. There's only one womb. Over here, it's all, the be-all and end-all will be Esav. So therefore, that's just a simple answer how it's not a kasha. So where does this lead us to? So I'm going to read. We're going to go through the other shtickle in just a moment. It'll be pretty quick. Um... The the great Gon, the Ketsois HaChoshen, see, he was in the times of the Alt-Rebbe. In fact, he was born and died the exact same years as the Altar rebbe Arya Leib Heller was his name, and he was a, a Bissl Misnaget, but uh, he was an incredible Gaon. and uh, you know, the Semach Sedeq even quotes him in some of his tshuvas. and the Rebbe, the Rebbe said very big things. The Rebbe said, if a bacher walks down the street and you meet a Misnaget, and you don't know a famous essay of the K'zayitz ha or one of his other Sfarim Shev Shmeitzer, the Misnag is going to say, what? And the Rebbe says, you've disgraced the honor of all the Rabbein, very sharp words. So uh, that's why in Yeshivas we spend a lot of time learning the K'zayitz Whether we understand it or not is a different question. That he does, he, he, uh, he actually, the writes, I'm trying to write as clear as I can in order, Laman yorutz ha anyone that reads it can just zip through everything that I write. <laughs> like Apparently, Obama's... time has changed. Maybe uh, two hundred years ago, they were able to do that. Now, now it's uh, a little more difficult. But he's uh, he's fascinating. Anyhow, <laughs> the is a is real pilpulim in halacha. But he also has a little discussion about Yaakov and Esau He throws it in, in one of his discussions, and he says, "You know how Esau sold the firstborn?" He says, there's a rule, if something doesn't yet exist, you can't bequeath it." but you could pull away your rights from it. It's called siluk. You could remove your rights from something which doesn't yet exist, and when the item will come to existence, you have no rights to it. Where do we see that? It's, it's from the Ramam, that's already earlier. There's an Indian of siluk you're allowed to do. You can remove yourself from any future rights you would have, and when the item then is born into the world, theoretically you know? might be half than the guy grabbed. right, perhaps, right, right, right. exactly, exactly so he says Asov was just denouncing his rights Egypt. renouncing his rights asov was was removing himself so everybody asks on the Keseh in the last 200 years, every Dosh asks that explains how asov got out of the picture but how did Yaakov acquire it? when it comes to acquisition there's two parties, right, takes two to tango asov pulled away But how did Yaakov acquire it? So they say, based on this Vilna Gon, it makes sense. Yaakov is because he's the first conceived. It's just since Esau came out of the womb before him, Esau got in the way of Yaakov being able to claim firstborn rights. Once Esau removes himself and is gone, which he can, you could remove yourself from something which doesn't yet exist. You can Masonic yourself automatically it's going to fall to Yaakov's lap. Why? Because he does have halakhic rights to it because he is somehow the firstborn due to the fact that he's the first conceived. So, there's no need so that's to another answer need how Esau sold the firstborn. In order for Esau to remove himself. For so so that Siluk... Don't need a you need transaction to You him to save to Okay, all right. Um, does it have to right. Two no, maybe Siluk Taka... Maybe Siluk Taka needs a Kenyan. Maybe he needs a Kenyan. Perhaps maybe to remove yourself for something which doesn't yet exist, you need to do a kinyan, or else we don't know if you're being serious. It it we don't know if you're being serious. One wouldn't fall into the next child regardless if he was conceived first. No, no, no. You no. have it to be b'cher. No, 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 really there's no. There's no am Right, right, right. If the firstborn, there is an interesting thing. There's a halacha you have to honor your older sibling, right? So there's a big debate. Does that apply to an older brother, an older, or, or even to an older sister? So that the shavus says only a brother. The chido has even a sister. Say that it does. Yeah, the chido holds even an older sister. The child is the dafka, the oldest, or anyone older. So some place can hold its dafka, the oldest, but if that person should pass away, it'll fall down to the next brother. So that's, that's an interesting case where it actually falls down to the next. But pishnayim, getting double wooden. Anyhow, so this is like, if you put the vilna gun and the kitzayis together, you get another explanation of how Esau sold the firstborn. Oh, but I just want to say a couple of things. mamish fascinating. Let's jump to the, first of all, the bottom paragraph, because this is, this is a whopper. Chak Admur Baal HaLev Simcha Migur, the great Gera Rebbe, the Leiv Simcha, not too long ago. He was a Rebbe in the 70s and the, the, the 80s. He was a big Rebbe of Ger. Omar Levar, he said, based on this, Yankov, <coughs> in Parches Vayechi, Yaakov switches his hands, right? And he tells Yosef, Yodati B'ni... Right, Yosef wants to put Yankov's hands, make sure the right one's on Menashe. But, but Yakov, no. Yankov is holding his hands tight. He says, Yodati B'ni Yodati. He said, I know my child, I know. What did he mean? <laughs> the the Yankov really felt he was a Bukhur because he was first conceived, right? Like the Vilna said, Yankov felt he really had some rights to the B'chur. Because the famous Rashi, that whoever comes out first means uh, he entered last, that's Esau. Yankov thought that since he entered first, even though I came out last, I'm really the Becher, and that's why Yaakov pushed himself to buy the Becher. By the way, if you look in Toysos on the Parsha Hadar's Canem, he says clearly that Yaakov really had rights to the Becher. Yankov had rights to the Becher, because he was first conceived. If you look in the tour's Pirish and Chumash today, the tour brings it, and he says, "Baba Mises, it's all about being firstborn. So you see, it's already an old debate from the Rishonim already. Again, the Hadar's Cainim says, Yankov really was the Becher because he's firstborn. But here's the thing. Menashe and Ephraim were also twins, like it says in Seidur Adairus. You ever heard that? Menashe and Ephraim were twins. The Radak, in his Pirish on Chumash, says what's the Raya? Because it says in Pasha's Yula. to Yosef was born two kids. It's written together. It's not two separate stories. To Yosef was born two kids. It's twins. Who came out first? Menashe. Menashe. But that means who was formed first? Right. Ephraim. Well, general rule. So, yeah, well, uh, so So Yaakov is telling Yosef, this is an old opinion of mine. This is an old shit I've had for years. I always hold that the one that's conceived first is the first one. Okay. Just like I believed I was really older than Esau, I think Ephraim's really older than Menashe. In The we learn differently. That yeah, the, yeah, this is not the Posh shot, but this yeah. also a Peshat. Im gam, kam l'shitas Yankiv. Yankiv is saying Ephraim was the real Bukhur. <laughs> that's Peshat Yodati B'ni Yodati. this is an old opinion of mine. I believe Ephraim is the Bukhur and not Menashe. But I'm saying, my question is, who gives us the shot that we learned today? The regular b'shaf. Oh, Does that come from Rashi? Of, of why what? he switched his hands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why didn't Rashi teach us the simple thing? He could have said, look, it was, it was there are twins, he came out first like Yaakov, boom, it's been done. Okay. The, been the, the, the reason is because simply, even by Yaakov and Esau, Esau was halachically the b'chur. Yaakov had to buy it from him. Okay. <laughs> we're just saying the reason that Yaakov made it such a big deal to buy it is because Yaakov felt he really owned it. But ultimately he had to buy it from Esau. So ultimately Menashe. <laughs> Is the bacher? This is such a cute word to say that in in theory, in theory, is the Bukhur. Practically, manasha just like practically, Yaakov did have to buy from from Esau. Oh, now oh, so let's go a little bit that. Go to the left side for a second. This mamish, this really bothered me. This thing, and um, I was debating if we should discuss it, but uh, here. When it comes to twins, we know there's two types of twins. We definitely know today you can have identical twins and not identical. What's the difference? Identical twins is from the same zera, from the same, the same seed, the same, same egg, same egg. Okay, fine, fine, the same egg. But uh, non identical is, is two different uh, conceptions. Some want a tina that you know what the Vilna Gon is going to do with Yaakov and Esau. we gave one answer because when it's the same womb, right? then ultimately the one that comes out first is the Becher. Some wanted to say that, according to the Gaon, Yaakov and Esav were really the same egg. What well, they call the same Zerub, the same egg that split. In fact, Yaakov and Esav were identical. There's a medrash to Hilim that says that, when was Esav killed? It's a big machlekes. But there's an opinion in Medrash to Hilim that says, when Yitzchak passed away, Yaakov and Esav went to bury Yitzchak in the Marasa Machpela. And Yaakov and Aesov were there by themselves. Everybody left to give them some peace, and they were crying. Esau and Yehuda says, oye, Oy oye, said, Yikruvuyume Evil Avi. Aesov said, Let's wait till Yitzhak dies, now kill Yaakov. This is his chance. Yehuda runs in and he sees Aesov about to kill his father, Yaakov. So Yehuda, Yodcha he kills Aesov from the back. So the major says, From the back? Coward! You kill someone from the front? So the Medrash says, Asaph looked just like Yaakov, and therefore Yehuda couldn't kill Asaph from the front. He looked just like his father. Couldn't do it. He had to kill him from the back. What about the hair? Either? The hair, the red. The red it, says, it says, okay, but it says in Medrash. Right, right. That's as far as the hair, but as far as identical, I mean, they were identical. They were identical. Yeah, they're I will right. tell you, even Rochel and Leia, by the way, this is a right. fascinating thing. Lovon says to Yaakov, how can I marry Rachel to you? In our place, in our place, we don't flip around the older and the younger. Right? He was teasing Yaakov. We don't flip around the older and the younger by us. Leah is the old one. You marry Leah. This is quoted in Halacha. In Halacha, we pasken that you're supposed to marry off the older, uh, the, the younger. The older. the older, thank you. Before the younger. And we quote this pasuk, Rabbi Tam quoted, Rabbi Tam in fact wanted to say if you, marry, if you tell a, a father I'm marrying your daughter and, he, and you give him the money and there's a few daughters, Rabbi Tam went so far to say we should assume it's the oldest one because the minig is always to marry the oldest one. So everybody asked, so what was Yaakov thinking? Didn't Yaakov know about this? How did Yaakov think he could over, you know, pass over Leah to marry Rachel? So... The Radak says that Rochel and Leia were also twins. Really? They were also twins. Yeah, they were the also twins. Also, uh, <laughs> exactly. In fact, <laughs> 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 in fact, the Rad- <laughs> by the way, some hold, the Radak says that Rochel and Leia were identical. Yeah. The fact they were twins is already in Medrash and say, yeah. medrash khum, but the Radaks are identical except for the eyes. eyes except for the eyes. Otherwise they're identical. You know, the Rashbam says the eye thing, Leah had soft eyes, she had light color, like blue eyes, green eyes, and Rochel had dark eyes. That was just the difference. But otherwise, it could have been identical. That <laughs> was the crying part. She was That's too. what it was, Sesha and Rashi. Anyhow. So, the idea is exactly just like Rochel and Leia were twins, so Yaakov said the same thing that Leia came out first, but Rochel's conceived first. So, again, just like you said. Yeah, right. So, Yaakov said, No, I, I believe you have to marry the older one. I, Taina, Rochel's the older one. Right. Anyhow, but over here, look at this. That's in the left hand side. That's Jonas and Ibishas. He says like this. The scientists have already come to a conclusion. A woman cannot have twins from one beer, only from two Bias. Now, this is a, this is not a fact, but he says he says that twins have to come from two beers, and his proof is from today's chumash. The chain cause of Rashi, Gabyakav and Esav, says Yonasanaius by Gabyakav and Esav, it's a muscle to the tube. The one that goes in comes out last. The whole Medrash that Rashi is quoting has to be that it's from two different bias, because if it's from one tipper, then it doesn't make sense. One went in first and the other one later. In other words, saying the whole muscle that we're basing the whole shira on has to be that Yankov and were born from two different bias, because if it's one biya, then no one's first, no one's second. It's the same time. And he proves from here that it must be all twins are from two different biyos. The noydi b'yehuda says <laughs> the opposite. Shemotsa b'sefer drush. He found in a sefer Possibly the Yaris drush. That it's impossible for twins to come from one biyah. The same thing. Right. It has to be from two. And the noydi b'yehuda says back. Divri ha heima hevel ha that drush that you saw is Kam Isis. Forget about doctors; it's against Gemara. He "Just the other way around. Can't be from two beasts, one after the other. That they should both survive because one of them would be a sandal." This that it's not quotes from the scientist Hayed is false. Right, because once a, once <clears> a woman becomes <throat> pregnant, you <clears> throat> can't become <throat> g- pregnant again. You're going to ruin the, the other child. A sandal is a kid that gets stepped upon. In other words, they would uh, kill each other. They would absorb the other. Yeah, the head. Head. yeah, exactly, inside the sack. They wouldn't both come out alive. So, no, 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 no. It wouldn't, right. It wouldn't, wouldn't develop. But I could point uh... This is like a fascinating, this is like one of the strangest machoikas you ever see. L'choeira, we know, when it comes to identical twins, you know, they're talking from the same time. If they're not identical, then you could apply the mushal of, of Rashi. So in other words, if Yankov and Esav were identical, then the Chorah, they were from the same beer, the same tipa, or the same egg, Rashi. and then Takah, no, that's another answer for the Vilna Gon. The Vilna Gon would say, <laughs> in my story, in Vilna, one was born first, one was conceived first. But if Yankov and Esav were identical, like the Medrash Tilim says, the same then same. they're conceived the same time, so Taka Esav is the becher. But uh, if they weren't identical, Right, which is the skin and the hair would tell you. Then it's two different beers. And then the Vilna Gom would have a kasha. Why isn't Yaakov the real firstborn? And then we'll have to give the answer we said before that when there's only one womb, ultimately the one that comes out first. So that is very, very strange. This, I, um, this is from the Sefer Paradis Yosef. But he's just quoting, uh, anyhow, but on number, th- it was finished with this. On the right hand side, there's a piece over here that. Uh, <coughs> This is also from the Pardis, I it was just easiest to quote from here, instead of uh, making different copies from the Svarim. See there that he quotes a reason for the Vilna Gon. Now there, I'm not sure what there is. It's not clear what the there that he's quoting from is, but a simple logic why Taka firstborn rights should go to conception and not to birth. But, you know, this, this, this mamish has to do with the whole discussion of abortion as well. It has to do with when is a kid really considered to be alive. Right. The vilnagon psak only makes sense if a kid in utero is considered a being, right? If everything happens by birth, and obviously the kid that's born birth is the real bachar, the vilnagon pshat only works if a kid is, com- is considered to be mamish and existent, a being in utero. Right, uh-uh, so when it comes to abortion, though, you talk talking not chayiv miss if you kill the kid. Right, a is. By a yid, there are generally four opinions of why abortion's a problem. Um, some very extreme, some quite lenient. The most lenient is the maharit, the great maharit we quoted before. He says abortion's only a problem because it's chabola, you're hurting yourself. Just so you can't cut off your finger, you can't kill the baby. The reason that that's very lenient is because you are allowed to cut off your finger if there's a strong need, For right? For, in other words, if the issue is only that she's choivel in herself, there's, there's lots of grounds to be lenient if it's, ne- if it's necessary. A little bit higher than that, perhaps, perhaps is the Chavis Yoyer, the great Chavis Yoyer. The Chavis Yoyer, big rub in Germany in the 1600s, he tines its zera lovatola. It's the ultimate Zerah Lovatola. What's the issue with wasted seed? It's potential life. A fetus in the, in the womb, that's the ultimate of potential life. What it is, is Zerah Lovatola, which I'll tell you parenthetically, very hard to say that, Vort. Rabbeinu Tam has a famous, Rabbeinu Tam Paskins, it's only an issue for Zerah Lovatola if you have a mitzvah of only those that have a mitzvah peru have a prohibition of zerah levatola. Says a woman who doesn't have a mitzvah of having kids does not have a prohibition of wasting seed. Therefore, after intimacy, a woman would be allowed to um, get rid of the zera. A, what? A man doesn't either have a mitzvah piru, piru, if he already had kids. He ha- doesn't have a chiv, he still has a mitzvah. Every time you do it, you fulfill another mitzvah. The mitzvah still exists. There's no obligation, uh, biblically. Rabbinically, there still is. You still try and have. But that's Rabbeinu Tam's opinion. So here's the funny thing, though. Goyim don't have a chiv of peru They don't have the chivs given to Yidin. So according to Rabbeinu Tam, they shouldn't have an iser of zeral of, of, of levatola. According to the Chavos Yor, the whole idea of abortion is zera of Atola. How ironic is it that a goy gets killed for abortion and not a Jew? If the issue is zera of Atola, right... According to Rabbeinu Tam, <laughs> a Goy is no problem with Zerah How would it work that Dafka Goy gets killed for abortion and not a Jew? Very strange. But that's the Chavis yor said that Zerah A stage above is the Maram Shik. The Maram Shik says it's halfway to murder. It's Chatsi Sheer of murder. Why? Because you're murdering a half-human being. The Maram Shik was a student of the Chassam Sefer. He says a fetus is half a human being. So abortion is half-murder. It's half murder because you're killing a half human being. The ragetshaver that it's mamish The reason you don't get killed is we learn from Sukkim. There's a loophole. There's a loophole for whatever the reason is. You don't get killed, but it's mamish. But it's mamish get murder. One killed. That's why Goy gets killed. There's a loophole. Let's say because you know when the Adim warn you, how mm-hmm. do they know for sure that the kid won't be a miscarriage? So therefore, there's a problem with the right. the warning of the Adim, etc., etc. So Al Kaponim. The Vilna Pshat really only works. The Vilna Pshat works according to, uh, according to the Drogat that it's Mamish murder, the kid's Mamish a kid. Mm-hmm. Then it makes sense that he's, he's there, he was conceived, conceived first, he exists first. He should inherit. But i just finish with the thing on, on the side of Va'insham um, that the reason for the Gra that a Becher Lanach Latalyan be its why would it be that the firstborn for Nachla depends on the formation? <speaking in Hebrew> when it comes to redeeming from the Koyan, it depends on Petei Rechem, on exiting the womb of birth. <speaking in Hebrew> we say by Esther, ibarta when her mother was expecting her, Esther's father died. When Esther's mother bore her, her mother died. Fine. That's a pretty simple gemara. Rashi says the following: mm-hmm. She didn't have a tata. Mm-hmm. From the moment her father would have the title of father, he was gone. Meaning, when does a father have the title of father? Once he does his deeds, then is the father's out of the picture. Once. Once the conceptions happened, that's when the father should have his title. But by Esther, the father died, so her father never had that title. When the mother gave birth, Mesim, the mother died. So she never deserved her title. What do you see from Rashi? The father and mother get their titles at different stages. There's a difference. The father gets his title from Conception, that's really when the father leaves. Nothing happens to the father by birth, right? You know the joke where the father's walking up and down the corridor. <laughs> right? The nurses say, congratulations, you had a girl. Thank God she won't have to go through what I went through. <laughs> 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 exactly. Hari Hevdal and Av Sira, the father is really out of the picture from formation. The aim, the mother from Leda. So from that rashi, the Vulna Gunfsac actually makes a lot of sense. Shapi Nachla, when it comes to getting double, it's all about are you first born to your father? Your father became your father by conception. av, and he your father became your father when you were formed. But kedushas Bakhera, who's the firstborn, as far as being redeemed by a kayan that aim, de- that depends by the mother. And when does your mother become your mother? For the time of birth. And therefore, it depends on uh, on Peter rechem of the mother. So upon him. that's a very interesting logic for the psak of the Vilna Gun. You always have to, you can go already. You always have you'll go, you always, always go after conception. I, today's Chumish, Esav, was the Becher. So either they were identical twins and Yankov was not the first to conception. But that kind of slugs up the whole Medrash Rashi quotes of Yaakov going in first. If you say that Taka Yaakov went in first, you have to say that when there's one mother, when there's one mother... <laughs> That's what you're staying. You're staying <laughs> here. Right. Well, Another one? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we're done. 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 we we are done we